It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day. He's the best. Keith Stewart. Happy 4th of July. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. It was another amazing week of stories in golf, an epic playoff, a young star accepts her crown, and joining us, the award-winning architect of the Golf Channel. This week's show is Director of Fun Approved, so sit back and enjoy, because you can't stop this train as it leaves the station. It's a holiday weekend, and there's no better way to kick it off than with the pro show on Friday afternoons. Mr. Wade Weezer, what's up? You pumped for this holiday weekend? I am, because we can like enjoy it. Yeah, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a barbecue at my house, Keith. We're gonna use the word barbecue a lot this afternoon. I feel like this year it's not gonna be uh, just cardboard cutouts of people. It's gonna be actual people at my house. You know, it's gonna I was, be awesome. You know, you bring up a good point. You know, there was a time during COVID where I thought that you know starting a company that would have cardboard cutouts of people might be lucrative, might be a good thing. Yeah. You know? not very little short sighted, but it might've been for might've sure. Might've been, might've been, you know what? But when you start talking about interesting people and not cardboard cutouts, right. we got to talk about our guest today. And his name is Michael Whalen. Now, Michael Whalen is kind of one of those unsung heroes from behind the scenes. He was the first executive producer of the golf channel back in the mid, mid to late nineties. Nice. I mean, he built the whole channel and turned it into, you know, gave them the footprint for all the success that they now continue to have day in and day out, something like 26 years later. So, you know, this guy, he came from over from HBO sports and I can't wait to talk to him because we love our golf stories here. And this is, this is TV's original golf storyteller. So we're gonna have a great conversation with him this afternoon. And speaking of starting a great conversation about something, this week, the PGA Tour is out at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which is out in Detroit Golf Club. And, you know, an annual event now, but this is one of those events that's definitely on my radar because they continue to do and set themselves apart um, as a different PGA Tour event that's not a major or WGC or something like that. And we all learned a valuable lesson this week of how powerful something like a sponsor's exemption can be to get into a PGA Tour event. So I don't know how familiar with this you are with this process, Wade, but every week the sponsors that pay for, like the Rocket Mortgage Classic, right? right. Rocket Mortgage gets to decide uh, a certain, a set number of people that get to play in the tournament. They don't have to qualify. They don't, you know, could be... Um, you know, John Daly or something. He he okay. normally wouldn't be on the PGA tour, but you know, they, they think he's a good draw. So they bring him on, or it could be a young college star that's from Michigan or something, you know, at, at, right. or from Detroit. So what they decided to do with their exemptions this week is that they initiated a thing called the John Shippen invitational. Now, John Shippen, we got to go back. All right. He was the first African-American professional golfer. Okay. Really cool story. Late 1800s. Um, he grew up out of Long Island. He actually helped or was on the crew that helped build Shinnecock Hills, of all things, which wow. is one of the most you know legendary <laughs> golf courses. US on the Open. crew. He was on the crew um, in his early teens, and he helped build that place. And, you know, 
oddly enough, he he even passed away in New Jersey. So he kind of was around this whole area. He was originally Full born circle. in D.C., but he, he grew up in Long Island. Um, so he kind of represents um, the that Jackie Robinson type figure in golf. Okay, sure. so John Shippen and he was now they named this invitational for it. And what they did with it is that they said, you know, anyone of African-American descent that is a tour player and they gave out a list of people that qualify for this. And then the the number one person who plays in this two day tournament, the week of the rocket mortgage, um, the man will get a entry sponsors exemption into the rocket mortgage classic. Super okay. cool. All yes, right. Totally. And then uh, they also ran a side by side women's tournament and the top two women there were going to get one into a, an upcoming LPGA event. So, I mean, talk about a cool thing to do to let people yeah. kind of play their way in and, you know, to provide this um, opportunity for African-Americans and, you know, some really cool Tim O'Neill, who is a longtime professional golfer. He's been on the APGA and, you know, just 20 years out there, mini tours, et cetera. He's played in a couple PGA tour events. His last one was in, I think, 2009 at the Genesis Invitational. So he he was the one that had won the two day tournament. Uh, he shot five under for two days. Good score. Now he gets to go and he today, uh, yesterday, Thursday, he gets to start right. his Rocket Mortgage Classic um, experience, which is kind of cool. On the ladies' side, it was Anita Yuanda and Shasta Everhart. And uh, Shasta, um, she's like popular. Soda, like the soda, Shasta. Yeah, well, she's, you know, I mean, she's legit. I mean, in 2011, 2013, she had her LPGA tour card, but she's going to get to go play in the LPGA again. Um, just a really cool way when you start to think about it in 2021, how you could do some different things with these sponsors exemptions. And it just doesn't have to be like the next Jordan Spieth out sure. of college or something like Diversity, that. Diversity, put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, you know, Pretty and cool. um, these DEI conversations um, are so needed in golf and it's 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 really kind of a cool thing and there's been a lot of great momentum coming out of women's sports lately and it's nice to see this uh diversity sponsors exemption tournament and how positive it can be and there was so much coverage around it golf channel um social media etc and I, I just think that this is a really good thing and i wanted to talk about it today certainly it's current events but you know i i think that um it's kind of like, you know, it, it's it's a ringing endorsement to the other PGA Tour events to be like, hey, you could do something. Absolutely. And this isn't that far outside the box. I mean, no, for, you still have to earn, earn your way in. It's still the best of whoever is going to be in these invitations. I mean, creating a golf tournament to get into a golf tournament Wait. is not, you know, recreating the whole model. No, you know, not. that's for sure. Um, speaking of something kind of cool. Nellie Corda, and we'll get into her a little bit more later, but uh, she won the Women's KPMG PGA Championship. A huge win for her, 22 years old, her first major. Um, we'll talk about her more later in the weekly update. We got some good things to say about her and have some fun nice. with her. But what happened was, and I wanted to touch upon this because we we covered the men, which was JT and Bryson and Colin Morikawa and Xander Shoffley. Those are your USA representatives going over to Tokyo for the men's Olympic golf. Right. But the women's team was finalized after the PGA championship this weekend. And it's going to be Nelly Corda, Danielle Kang, Lexi Thompson, and Jessica Corda. Um, it's kind of cool. It, it's going to be like a homecoming for the Cordas. So do you remember back in the day, Peter Corda, the tennis player? I remember the name. Okay. Yeah. So They're he all was the same. He, yes. That's their dad. Wow. Okay. So Jessica, then he's got good genes. <laughs> then, then Nelly, but listen to this. You, you're you're killing me with your my 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 lead in here. I'm you sorry. stole my thunder. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Not only that, his son is on the ATP tour 
He just won back in May, Sebastian, and he's going to the Olympics too. So Peter Corda has three kids going to the Olympics, Man. two for golf and one for tennis. Um, so to um, reiterate your point, good jeans nicely done that's for sure it's beating levi's for sure that's no there's no doubt about that now um speaking of good jeans and or good players right i had a little experience this week earlier in the week you know i i noticed when i came in the studio this afternoon you said hey you look um you look uh you know like you could use some sleep or whatever but let me tell you about my week right okay. so uh it was another one of those qualifiers for my young uh, player, Mr. Okay. Will Dixon. Okay. You know, probably the short you were answering my emails yesterday. That's that's probably yes. where you were. Yeah, yes. Um I was in recovery mode. <laughs> all right. So uh yes, 36 holes to try to get in the US amateur, which is being played at Oakmont. And uh good field, about 80 young men uh trying to compete for three spots. And uh so we tee off and uh 36 holes. Uh I'm on the bag form and great preparation, good good practice rounds. And we go out and we compete and uh, we start the day birdie, birdie. So I'm already on my phone, like checking for hotels out of Pittsburgh for Oakmont, right? I'm like, here we go, right? We are rolling. And uh, the practice round was really good. He made eight birdies and I was like, okay, we just, I just need to pull the saddle tight and, you know. He's in the zone. Had a good keep the thoroughbred from getting off, you know, put the blinders on and like, let's just stay focused and move forward. So we go through the day and we finish our first round, make six birdies, but we made six mistakes okay right so there's only 18 holes so right, that only right, leaves right. six pars on the on the back end of that so uh we end up even par but the leader's only minus four and with the firepower we had going in the golf course and you're going out same pin same golf course in the afternoon i'm thinking to myself well we can go and we only got to get in the top three right right so all right let's go for this right so we get out there in the afternoon birdie the first hole I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Let's let's get it going. Sure. You know, we birdied the first hole twice in a row for morning round, afternoon round. We get it rolling. All right. We're even par after the front nine. And we've already made three birdies and three bogeys. But we are we are in position. Seven, eight, nine. We had birdie putts. Ten, we have a birdie putt. Eleven is one of these like drivable par fours. Um, we hit it up in a bad spot. Don't get up and down. Bogey. Um, now we've got 12 through 18. And I'm looking at the scoreboard right. on my phone yeah. and i'm trying to manage this all out now I, mind you it was as we were down in maryland so we were in frederick maryland at this place uh, clustered spiral spires golf club you know okay. i know yeah it's about 100 degrees that it's day? just like shinnecock was it exactly nice oh my god was it 100 <laughs> degrees right I mean, I'm, my face is still flushed. It is. It's, it's two red. Days, You're still red. It's two days later, right? I'm just trying, you know, not to pass out. So, it, and you got to do math. Oh my, you know, well, the math is is up to those guys. They keep their own card. I mean, all kidding aside, a funny story from the first round in the morning. We played with two other guys, great guys. One guy was a retired serviceman. This guy Sam, fantastic. I just felt bad for him on the tenth hole when he made an eleven. Ooh. You know, and these are good players yeah, to get yeah, into yeah, this yeah, thing yeah. just to just to sign up. You have to be a good player, and he, you know, he he was seven over on one hole, and I think he shot like nine over. So like he was good. Like he just yeah, he went yeah, on walkabout yeah. for a minute. But <laughs> the par five fifteenth, we're sitting there in the trees waiting. It's a par five in that kind of field. It ends up playing like a par four, so it tends to slow down there. And one of the guys in our group. And I'm sitting there with Will, and and he's sitting like about 50 feet away from us, and he's rolling around on the ground in the shade. And I go, man, that guy doesn't look all right. You know, I mean, it's hot. It's like 95 on my watch. And, 
He's you know, rolling, literally rolling around on the ground. He's kind of rolling around, okay. you know, and there's some noises coming. And Will's like, what's going on over there? I go, don't look over there. Just don't look. No, I go, it's, it's not, not I'm, I'm facing that. It's not, it's definitely not going to get better. Right. And he has his dad caddying for him. So I start yelling over his dad. I said, I don't, I don't think your son's in good shape. Right. So he come over. Next thing you know, I mean, this guy looks like he lost about seven rounds of beer pong. Right. Uh, OK. He has like he's having, he's having like heat stroke. No, sure. no. Yeah. Oh, no. The fountain's running. Oh, OK. It's running. Oh, yeah. Yep. Got it. Got yeah, got he's it. on all fours just letting it rip. Right. And uh, Will's like, what is that? I was like, dude, now really don't look over breakfast, there. I need I, think. I need I mean, like six <laughs> gallons of water. Right. I mean, breakfast is long gone. You know, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what is what are we doing right now? Like, what what are we doing? Right? Like, this is crazy. Yes. Right? Yes. We're only 15, 14 holes in, and this guy's losing it. I've already seen an 11, and I'm like, Will is playing well. I mean, at that point, I think we had four birdies on the day, and we had a par five in front of us, which is eagle, if not birdie, right? Right. So we're cruising along, you know, story aside, front first round, even, great. Second round, we get out there. We're deep into the back, back nine. We've got about seven holes to play. I'm looking at my phone. I go, hey, dude, we this is time. It's yep. time. I go, there is no more like I'm worried about the trees on the left or whatever. I was like, see target hit ball right as hard as you can at that thing. We ball. need to go, you know, and the, I mean, if the jockey could have four whips, you know, I was using <laughs> them all at that point, you know. So the spurs were on everything, you know. So we birdie 13, lip out birdie putt on 14, 15. We have an eagle putt par five, 550. He hits driver eight iron. To about 15 feet. I'm like, okay, giddy up. Sure, Here we go. Sure, sure, you know, sure. get the, get us going. And we, we, at that point we need, we need some birdies. Right. Yes. So right before the Eagle putt, he goes, what do you think? We read the break and everything. And he goes, what do you think about this? I said, I think we need it. Right. Like, like we need it, need it. And he's like, cause he, he won't look at the phone, but I'm looking at the phone yes. and I'm being very <laughs> um, suggestive at that point. I, I said, I think we need this, you know? And he was like, got it. You know, yep. lip that out, tap in birdie next holes, like a 230 yard par three kid hits six iron to like 15 feet, lip that out. I'm like, all right, here's the deal. We got two to go. You got to birdie both of them because the third spot is we're at one under for the day and he that that guy's finished at three there's two guys finished at three right okay fine we go we birdie 17 okay 18 460 yard par four this kid rips driver like you wouldn't believe all right mm-hmm. and he's been doing it all day it's hot the ball's yeah. flying forever we have 90 yards in we'll let everyone at home do the math okay <laughs> we have 90 yards in okay. he pitches it in this thing hits on a plateau on the green kind of bounces high kicks through to the back fringe into like a little squirrely lie in the rough. And I'm like, oh, man, did we just not get much luck there? Yeah, you know, if yeah, this was yeah. the ball if, the, if this was way, just literally. a podcast, I would really let you know how, sure, I, sure, how sure. he and I felt at the time. An unmonitored podcast. Right? So we get up there and I say, hey, man, we know what needs to happen here. This needs to go in. Yeah. You know, we and at that point, I had already divulged to him our our state of affairs. You know, we were in full, we were beyond full grind mode. So he chips it past, doesn't make the putt, makes bogey, whatever, finishes one under for 36 holes, you know, but it had to go in to get in. Sure. Right. Sure. So I was proud of my boy. It was a great day. I just wanted to give you a couple stats because you're always saying, you know, like, hey, you know, when you work out or whatever, you know, like, how hard do you go or whatever? Listen to this. So I wear whoop all the time. You know that. Yep. Just like our guest, Will Ahmed. And uh, 28,500 steps. Ooh. In 100 degree heat. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my carrying God. a bag, right? You, you kept your lunch, though. That's so good. my whoop strain on the day was 20.3. Okay. It only goes to 21. <laughs> I think I was close to the guy on 15 I at one so. point. 
Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, it is just just an epic, epic performance by my boy. And I wanted to take the audience through that. It was it was a lot of fun to be in that moment with, you know, with nine holes to go. It was as real as it could be. Proud of you both. Um, And, uh, you know, we're on to the next one. He's playing in the Monroe next week, which is a huge amateur event up in Rochester. You could always Google and Will Dixon and you could follow along on his path. Towards, you know, at this point, he's done with Georgia Tech. So it's a couple of amateur events and then it'll be Corn Ferry Tour Q School in the fall. So um, we'll see how that all goes. But you know what's going really well? Well, that's our friends over there at the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Mm -hmm. And you know what? As golf has become a therapeutic part of the rehabilitation process for military veterans living with physical and cognitive challenges, the New Jersey Golf Foundation is all in offering golf programming specifically for veterans through PGA Hope, helping our patriots everywhere. Our veterans enjoy camaraderie on the golf course alongside fellow veterans while learning from the game from PGA professionals. For information on weekly PGA Hope programs at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club, Forsgate Country Club, and Galloping Hill Golf Course, visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Folks, 317 p.m. here in New York. Thanks for tuning in to ESPN 920. Be back in a moment with Michael Whalen, the man behind the golf channel. Can't wait. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop chop, he says I'm gonna win big. Mike Greenberg. Green. One of the great players in the history of his sport has said he doesn't like the game anymore. That player is Gary Sheffield. There's no axe to grind here, right? Like he's not, he's not someone like Jose Canseco to take it to the right. ultimate extreme. But in him coming out and saying that, when you got a guy who's like a borderline Hall of Fame caliber player saying, I hate the sport now, that's a pretty harsh thing to say. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And watch exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Join the thousands of golfers who already call Stick and Hack their home for the best golf stories, original podcasts, special events, member perks, and an active community of golfers across North America. Up until now, the golf media landscape lived somewhere between straight PGA coverage or idiots wrecking golf carts. We take a different approach by celebrating all sides of golf, life, and all the ways this amazing game connects sticks and hacks every day. Your free membership entitles you to discounts from major brands all over the country while connecting you with like-minded golfers for discussion, tips, or even a round of golf. So head to stickandhack.com and enjoy the world's greatest golf club without the course. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school can feel like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. 
findsomethingnew.org offers resources that help develop new skills, skills that can position you for careers in today's growing industries, from healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Find your path to a new career at findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show, great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and you're listening to ESPN 920. Now, y'all know I love telling golf stories. This afternoon, I'm about to talk to an early influence of mine. I am an old woman Named after my mother My old man is another You know, I didn't know him at the time, but Michael Whalen built the Golf Channel. This executive producer gave the golf world a unique gift. I appreciate his work every week as I build a golf-storing legacy of my own. This afternoon, I can't wait to introduce you all to the man behind the curtain. We have Michael Whalen on the phone with us. Michael, good afternoon and welcome to the Pro Show. How are you today? Gentlemen, happy 4th of July weekend to all. I'm doing fabulous. And how about you? Oh, man. this uh, We're all very excited because unlike last year, this weekend is going to be barbecues and fireworks. And uh, I hope where you are down there in Orlando, you get to enjoy just as much. It, it's a big weekend for me. I've taken off two of my masks. I'm down to a single one as we speak right now. So things are improving for me. I also want to thank you very much for playing that intro music, Old Woman, instead of Neil Young's Old Man, Take a Look at My Life. I feel a little younger right now. <laughs> well, you know, a little John Prine for you. I thought that you would, uh, you would enjoy that. I do. I knew John very well. Oh, geez, I, that I didn't know, but uh, I heard you were a fan, so I figured that would warm you up a little bit. Now, speaking of warming up. John's actually, John's cousin, is, my cousin, is was married to John Prime, so it's, uh, it's interesting. Oh, wow. How cool is that? Huh, good job on the board there, Mr. Wade Weezer. That was, there you go. Producer extraordinaire. He always finds a way. So speaking of finding a way, let's jump right into this because, I, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of the Golf Channel and everything that you built there. But take me back to the mid-90s and describe for me what a typical day was at the Golf Channel um, as things were up and running and the programming was going and, you know, how many people were working for you? How many shows were running a day? What was a day in the life of Michael Whalen like back then? Well, a typical day was certainly different after January 17th when we launched it, as opposed to the five and a half months before then. Uh, so I was evaluating the quality of the shows, the production of the shows, the look of the shows, the sound of the show. And obviously, the people in front um, in front of the camera who may or may not have been hosting the show. So, you know, my day started at 5 a.m. in the morning getting there, making sure that I saw as much of the programming as I could, making as many notes as I could, meeting with all the senior producers prior to the next day's programming, and making tweaks and improvements as we went along. So they were 18, 19-hour days for me. Uh, a lot easier once we got on the air as opposed to the day before and the months prior to. 
All right, so let's take a step back then. Uh, you get approached by Bob Greenway and Joe Gibbs, two guys that I know. I throw those names out because they were members at Isleworth, and, and they were there when I was there back in the day when I worked there. And they lay something out in front of you, right? And they say, hey, we want you to create this channel. What's your first impression of that of that concept, of that idea? Here's kind of the way it worked. Here's, here's what happened. I, I, I actually never met Joe Gibbs until I came to Orlando in July of 94, Bob Greenway, uh, who didn't work in my department because I was the director of sports production for HBO Sports. I produced, directed, wrote, managed uh, all the great shows that HBO produced. And on one January, February, rainy, snowy day in New York, as I stood out my, uh, stared out my window uh, onto Bryant Park, uh, Bob uh, just kind of cryptically came up to me and said, I might have something for you down the road. Now, this came out of the blue. I had no idea what Bob was talking about. Uh, I thought maybe that Bob was moving to another network and was going to bring me along. Uh, a couple months later, Bob Greenway's contract uh, apparently was all buttoned up with the Golf Channel. And at that particular time, around the end of February, early March, is when Bob shared with me what was going on in Orlando, Florida, the history behind it with Joe and Arnold, and said, look, I deem you as not only a good friend, somebody who I can trust, but also probably the most creative guy that we have here at HBO, uh, and I know your passion for golf, would you be interested in taking on the vice president of production and executive producer role. And I said, well, yeah, if it means going to Orlando, but what does that mean? And he said, it's not a big deal. In five months, you just got to create a 24-hour, 365-day network um, on a shoestring budget. And I said, "Uh, okay, I'm in. So just to give people a perspective and folks, if you're just tuning in, we are talking to Michael Whalen and Michael is the original executive producer of the golf channel. And he started it back there in the mid nineties. And he is just about to touch upon, and and you brought it up right there. When you say that you, well, when Bob says that you were one of the most creative people he knew, that leads me into a story that I've heard. Is it true? And I read this online, you know, so take it for, for, uh, take it with a grain of salt, but was the original programming schedule for the golf channel, was that created on a cocktail napkin when you were flying over to cover Wimbledon for HBO sports? Uh, 99% absolutely true. Um, when Bob hired me and, and when we locked things up in sometime in March and April, I still had some obligations to HBO sports. As you just mentioned, I was the producer for the entire coverage of Wimbledon tennis. Um, so obviously, New York to Heathrow is a long flight. Um, at that particular time, while I accepted the job and I began to think about what things I would like to do, there were no shows created. There were no, there was nothing in stone. Uh, so I used that entire begin what I envisioned as the golf channel. So if you can imagine a beautiful mind with Russell Crowe working frantically. Uh, in his business class seat, scribbling as I closed my mind and envisioned what hour one, hour two, hour three would look like, I knew that I had to create, took the fascinating history and great stories and personalities and bring that into everybody's home. 
you know, the thing that I kept thinking as I scribbled frantically was the word intimacy. I wanted people to have a must-see schedule where they had the opportunity to go behind the scenes and meet Arnold Palmer and meet Pete Dye and meet Butch Harmon and meet Nancy Lopez and for us to cover everything and to tell the stories of the entire uh, sport. So, yeah, I pretty much, I think, at that particular time, on a cocktail napkin, wrote uh, maybe nine of the shows. I then went on to kind of have an idea of what those shows were going to be like, and then I went as far as to start to put down how many people it was going to take to run each one of those shows. So that pretty much was set in stone by the time I had gotten back from Wimbledon, where I flew directly to Vegas to do a fight, went back to Hoboken, New Jersey, loaded up my house, and I was in Orlando around July, strangely, around July 4th of 94. Oh, wow. Symmetry there. All right. I now I have to ask more questions here because you, you're bringing up a really cool story. And we, we, you know, Bob Greenway brings up the creative mind of Michael Whalen. And folks, that's who we're talking to today. The original executive producer from the Golf Channel. Now, there's a ton of creative people out there in this world. Right. And this is obviously a strength of yours. So could you share with my listeners you know, sometimes a lot of creative people have a tough time getting their work from the whiteboard out into production, right? How are you able to to use your creative talents and then get them to the um, production center and then bring them to life on the Golf Channel? Well, I, I think you make an important point. I think one of the hardest parts of getting it from the whiteboard to the creative is the bureaucracy that already exists in any corporate uh, foundation. I think the people that you got to fight, the, the budgets, the, the advertising department, the marketing. But at that particular time, uh, the entire building was running on full cylinders where nobody was focused on the shows that were going to be on the air. They just, I think, said a lot of Hail Marys every single morning that I was going to be able to come up with these show ideas. So as I created them, as I began to develop them, and, and you got to remember, when I walked into the Golf Channel studios in July of 94, it was a maybe a 60,000 square foot blank space. There was nothing in there. There wasn't a light bulb. There wasn't an edit bay. There was nothing whatsoever. And from July until January, myself, along with my partner, Matt Scalisi, who took on the technical side of it, uh, had to fill that studio with sets and shows uh, and people. So within about 90 days, uh, not only were the 9, 10, 11 shows created, but I was flying around the world composing music and creating graphics with some fabulous people and getting set designs and negotiating deals with producers and associate producers and associate directors and going through 800 different resume reels of talent that had been sent to me just to make sure that when we launched in January that the best people at the time with the most knowledge, with the greatest personality would be the faces of the Golf Channel. So, you know, there was there were so many things going on, but the great thing about it is Joe Gibbs and Bob Greenway you know, 99% left me alone and trusted me and, and just, you know, had faith in me that, you know, when we turned on the switch, 
that it was going to work and uh, there was not going to be any gaps in that 24-hour schedule. All right, I have to connect the dots here for just a second because if people aren't in this production world, the the one that you're telling stories about, Fox News Channel was started around the, the same time. It took 18 months for that channel to get started and you brought the Golf Channel together in six months, folks. I mean, that's the type of special person we're talking to today. And then there's no doubt that you also surrounded yourself with some special people, because as you went through those 800 reels, you came up with Peter Kessler, uh, Scott Van Pelt, Kelly Tillman. Right. How did you know you are obviously have an eye for scouting talent. Right. What did you notice about these people that kind of, you know, what was the common denominator that made them so special? Well, I've always had a gift for finding talent, working with teams and John Lloyds and Barry Tompkins and, you know, Bud Collins. And, you know, one of my gifts is is, is the ability to find great storytellers who have great presence, who can follow directions, who don't look like different headlights. Uh, So as I look through those 800 reels, uh, the only people that I did not look at on that particular day who had not, Peter Kessel did not have a demo reel, Scott Van Pelt did not have a demo reel, so those three are a little bit uh, unorthodox about how I went about finding them. Peter Kessler happened to be our voiceover for the documentaries that I produced, and Peter had one of the most fabulous voices, but the interesting thing is that Peter and I became friends through the years, and Peter often invited me to his golf course to play golf every now and then, and we would ride together. And in those four hours, he would tell me the history of golf in every nook and cranny that ever existed in extreme detail. And I said to myself, before I accepted the Golf Channel job, in my entire life, I have never met an individual who knows a sport and can talk about it so emotionally as Peter Kessler. And, you know, it's a shame that Peter's doing voiceovers. So when I got hired as the vice president executive producer, the first person that came to my mind to hire, number one, was Peter Kessler. Now, there was a lot of problems with that because Peter had never been on camera in his life, and I was banking on the golf channel that Peter was going to be able to follow directions and do a good job. Um, the rest, Craig Can, Brian Hammonds, Linda Cardwell, Jennifer Mills, Mike Ritz, uh, Tom Nettles, uh, they were just all people that had personality, that had uh, great camera presence, that told great stories, their, their command of the English language as it referred to sports, telling and storytelling and bringing the viewer in just stood out over everybody. And at that point, it just became a matter of negotiating, bringing these individuals down, convincing them that this 24-hour network was really going to work. And please trust in me and leave your job and your home and move to Orlando, Florida. All right. Now, I know we're just getting started here, but much like the television world, I need to take a quick commercial. So, Michael, can you hold tight for me, please? I'm not going anywhere on this weekend. All right. Up next, more with Michael Whalen, the original architect of the Golf Channel. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. To believe in this living is just a hard way to go. 
Johnson. Any quarterback that plays underneath him is going to look crazy, and especially if they got any skill set. Jay Williams. I'm just tired of talking about what Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons don't do. I want to start talking about what Brett Brown needs to make them do. It's time to go to work, Brett. And Zubin Mahente. I can promise you, I am as passionate about sports as you are. It is time to go to work. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. Weekday morning, starting at 6 on the new 920 ESPN. Today's interview is brought to you by our friends at Beedratty. Beedratty is known for their irrationally comfortable Peruvian Pima cotton polos. But did you know they've branched into new categories? You must try like boxers, layers, button downs, and even performance fabrics with their Dratty Sport. The theme with all of their products is meticulous attention to detail. Details most companies choose to overlook. Be Dratty thoughtfully considers like our favorite Russell quarter zip where the front pouch is sewn into the garment and not topped on, allowing for a slimmer, less bulky fit. Shop the entire Be Dratty line at BeDratty.com and receive 25% off with our exclusive discount code KJS25. He flew fighter jets in two wars and taught you how to drive a car. He fed everyone on the block, but never shared his secret recipes. And every time he'd tell a story, he'd own the room. But now more than ever, he may feel alone. Today, older adults and their loved ones are struggling to connect in a time when connection has never been more important. But there is something we can do. Embrace our older loved ones through StoryCorps Connect. With StoryCorps Connect, you can honor seniors remotely with an interview about their life. Every interview will be archived at the Library of Congress, becoming part of American history, so that years from now, future generations can listen in. All right, Grandpa, what's one piece of advice you have for me? Just three words, sweetheart. Live with courage. The man that had the best stories still has plenty of stories to tell. So connect virtually and share the conversation of a lifetime at storycorpsconnect.org slash AARP. Connect. Honor. Share. StoryCorps Connect. A message from AARP, StoryCorps, and the Ad Council. You got a great voice for radio. Time to get back on course. Thanks for radio. I I get a lot of that, too. As the Pro Show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the Pro Show, and I'm Keith Stewart. Welcome back to our conversation with Michael Whalen. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920 on a 4th of July Friday afternoon. It was a beautiful day. Back in the early 90s, our guest was given a dream, and he started running with it. What a job he did building golf's coverage king. Little Tom Petty. To start the weekend, I love it, Wade. Good one there, that's for sure. All right, let's jump back into the second nine with Michael Whalen. Michael, you know, so you're there in the middle of the 90s, and there's this young African-American golfer that's about to kind of do his thing. Um, The Tiger Woods boom hits, and you are covering golf. What was that like? Well, you know what? When we launched in 95... We were lucky. I mean, I don't think anybody anticipated the stories that would be happening at the time. Not only was there this incredible Amber in Palo Alto at Stanford uh, getting people to, to to wonder what the heck's going on on the West Coast, but also there was, a, there was other wonderful stories, too. I mean, remember in 95, you had that wonderful story of Ben Crenshaw winning the Masters after Harvey Panic died. You had uh, a, a young... LPGA player by the name of Annika Sorensen winning her first 
LPGA US Open in 95. Uh, there was so many fascinating things. Tim Fincham had just taken over the PGA Tour, another incredible thing. You had a, a, an interesting uh, sociological story with, with, with Casey Martin uh, and the, and the cart. And then one of the things that, that was interesting is that Tiger Woods felt very, very comfortable with the Golf Channel. And so Golf Channel, in essence, became Tiger's home away from home. You know, we saw him quite often, U.S. Opens, Masters, British Opens, PGA Championships, and he could use our facilities in golf before, maybe a little bit with Greg Norman. But the way he talked and the way he was focused as this young 21-year-old man, I knew that there was going to be something very, very special. Never in my wildest dreams that I think he would accomplish. I knew that there was a special athlete right there. All right, so Tiger comes on the scene. You all have to cover this golf boom that's about to take place. Now, I want to have a little fun here, and I want to move forward because golf is witnessing a tremendous boom now. And you had this macro view back then of how golf was going to be covered, but not only that, but how it was going to be marketed and how the stories were going to be told. What advice could you throw forward to the golf leaders of today that would help us sustain this boom that we've recently received in golf? Well, I, I think one of the things that's that's the issue today with with golf is that it's gotten so big, uh, maybe too big to the part where it's driven solely by advertising and marketing and title sponsorship, opposed to just being able to go back to the old school storytelling and building personalities that got people outside of the sport to want to tune in. Remember. You know, people watch sports not just because they love it, but because certain people transcend that sport as well. And that's what Tiger did. I mean, there were people who had never watched golf who wanted to see this young phenom, uh, Tiger Woods, the same way as people turned into boxing to see this young guy named Sugar Ray Leonard. So I think, you know, it's not so much about the coverage of the U.S. Open or the PGA. It's what do you do the 11 months before and the 11 months after? How do you promote it? You know, that's one of the things we're going to have to deal with in this new era of streaming personalities and programming. And are they willing to do that again? Does it generate the revenue dollar? I'm not sure. They've got some great opportunities to tell some wonderful stories. They've got some great characters. Uh, they've got some wonderful stories right now in the LPGA with Florida Sisters is are these networks uh, and streaming platforms going to be willing to, you know, develop personalities that bring people in who watch that, you know, make the revenue dollars go up. Now, if you're just joining us, folks, we are talking about athletes that transcend the sport. But we are talking to someone that has transcended the sport of golf, and that's the original executive producer from the Golf Channel. His name is Michael Whalen. And I want to go a little deeper into this futuristic conversation and talk a little bit about golf media because it seems like a lot of things as we watch like let's just use for example the last two majors there are apps and there is streaming channels alongside of just the regular coverage where do you see this all going in the future like let's say to the next three to five years when we start to talk about golf coverage what we what should we be prepared for well i i you know look you're you're talking to a guy who's 65 years old so i didn't grow up with this format i mean when you know when people talk about streaming and app application and on all these different uh, platforms to watch the game, you know, I, I get a little confused and dizzy sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a whole genre of people from fifties to 
upward that expect to turn on their, their cable and go to the Golf Channel or NBC and CBS and watch the program. So, you know, I, the, the, the hard part would be how do you get that demo to, to watch all these different platforms? Now, for the younger generation, I think they're used to, you know, streaming video and they're used to uh, going onto their computers and watching every shot available from a major so um, it, it, it's going to take a fine balance to figure out uh, at the end of the day, you know, not just so much where they can they get their most coverage, but also where can they generate their most revenue dollars? Because without the money, uh, everything collapses like a cheap deck chair in a matter of time. All right. I like what you said there, a fine balance. So I'm going to use that as a quick transition into one more question or maybe a series of questions for you before we let you go for this afternoon and you can start enjoying your holiday weekend. So Michael Whalen, we love to do a little rapid fire Q&A with our guests to allow the listeners to learn a little more about you. So you up for this? Let's try it. All right. I'm an, I'm an open book. All right. Here we go. Well, we're, we're, we're going to find out more about what the uh, what the chapters have to say about you. So let's start here. Favorite breed of dog? Maltese. Most unique place you ever produced something? Uh, I would say uh, Helsinki, Finland. One item on your bucket list? Um, to skydive. Coolest athlete you met as a kid? Roberto Clemente. Do you prefer sunrises or sunsets? Sunrises. The most interesting athlete or celebrity you ever covered? Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard. Do you believe in ghosts? Uh, no. If you could go to one concert all time, who would you go see? James Taylor. Oh, I like that. James JT. All right. When you hear the words golf channel, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, heartbroken. All right. You know what, though, Michael Whalen, my audience and I, we are not heartbroken to have the opportunity to speak with you today. You've just been a wonderful storyteller and you epitomize what has made that channel so great. I can't thank you enough for being on the pro show this afternoon. It's been my pleasure. And I'm always around to, uh, to fill in when you guys can't find somebody. We will keep that in mind. Thank you so much. Okay. All righty, guys. You know, week in and week out, we have the most fascinating people on here, Mr. Wade Weezer. Right. I, I mean, I feel like this interview is really just the tip of the iceberg. You know, it, it was it was cool to get to know him. And, you know, that's a different era in media yeah. coverage. But to see what he built is and to hear about it and the intimacy with which he speaks about it is pretty cool and he hinted he hinted about some not so happy stuff that i would love to hear next time yes you know um, i mean you know the pro show is a positive show it is though. it i get that i get that but. so and uh speaking of positive things we can't say enough nice things about how today's interview was brought to us by our friends at b dratty let me tell you about my favorite b dratty item this holiday weekend that is their color stories. Because if you love some red, white, and blue, you can get yourself some blue dratty shorts. You can get yourself a nice little Vin Polo in red or Dewey t-shirt. I mean, there's all sorts of things right down to the boxer shorts. So snag 25% off with my code KJS25 at bdratty.com. So man, look at the time. We are fast approaching 4 p.m. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Coming back to wrap up today's show with the weekly update. Greenberg. 
Greeny. One of the great players in the history of his sport has said he doesn't like the game anymore. That player is Gary Sheffield. There's no axe to grind here, right? Like he's not, he's not someone like I mean, Jose Canseco to take it to the right. ultimate extreme. But in him coming out and saying that, when you got a guy who's like a borderline Hall of Fame caliber player saying, I hate the sport now, that's a pretty harsh thing to say. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And watch exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Right now, we all might feel a little disconnected. For seniors living alone with smaller social circles, feelings of loneliness and isolation can feel overwhelming. But there's something we can all do to help. Connect with your older loved one virtually and have the conversation of a lifetime with StoryCorps Connect. Anyone can conduct an interview, and every interview will be archived at the Library of Congress, becoming part of American history. Connect, honor, share at StoryCorpsConnect.org slash AARP. Get ready for the back nine. As the Pro Show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to ESPN 920. Feeling my way through the darkness, guided by a beating heart. You know, Michael's story is one of self-renewal. You might want to uh, share that with a friend or so. So tonight, hop on the podcast. Get it there. Send it to your friends. The link on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeart. Of course, if you, you want to stream us anywhere, you know you can always find us at 920ESPNNewJersey.com on those Friday afternoons. The holiday weekend is upon us. Volume up. It's time to celebrate being back. Oh, yeah, Wade. Barbecues, friends, family, fireworks, beer. <laughs> Let's go, USA. Turn it up. USA. All right, I think I think we're having a little moment there. I think we are. We're bonding. We are. We are. And it was great to talk to Michael, too. But you know who else it's great to hear from? That's our friends at TaylorMade. One shot. Well, why can't it be five or 10 or even 50 shots that keep you coming back? That was our inspiration when we designed the all-new Sim 2 Irons. Its unique catback design will give you more forgiveness and more distance more often. Feel what it's like to play with better irons with the all-new Sim 2 irons. Learn more about Sim 2 irons and to find a fitting near you, head to TaylorMadeGolf.com. It's Nellyville in Atlanta. Nelly Corda won the KPMG PGA Championship this past weekend at the Atlanta Athletic Club in Georgia. This was her second win in two weeks. In that time, she made four eagles and 47 birdies. So she's just 44 under par in those two weeks. During, yes, yes. During one stretch this weekend at the PGA, she played 49 holes without a bogey. It's the third win of 2021. Sixth of her career and the first major championship. She is now the number one player in the world ranking. Nelly, number one. And number one. No matter if you like it, take it, sit down and write it. That has to be her theme. Oh, man. If not, it will be now for sure. I, she's an avid listener, you know, and she's the first American woman to do it since Stacey Lewis. And she's the first American woman to do it since Stacey Lewis back in 2014. She broke a streak of 1,015 days since an American-born player has won a woman's major championship. Hey, Nellie Corda is only 22 years old. American women's golf just may have gotten a new superstar. All right. Groundhog Day 2 filmed in Cromwell, Connecticut. 
I don't know if you knew that. No, I did. Yeah, Bill Murray wasn't there either. <laughs> but Harris English and Kramer Hickok were. Well, those were the two gentlemen on the PGA Tour that played an epic eight-hole playoff, which was just, you know, the second place. The, the longest is the tour record for a sudden-death playoff is 11 holes. But four other events have gone eight. You know, it was the second win of the year after eight holes when Harris English birdied that one. And the fourth career victory for English, he won 1.3 million, 500 FedEx Cup points, moving him to second in the standings. Uh, geez, they, they played 18 twice and they parted twice and then 17, 18, 17, 18, 18. If that adds up to eight, I don't know. There's a, all pars and Harris English finished with a birdie. You know, I think only the fans more disappointed than Kramer Hickox are the ones of 60 minutes. Because the playoff took two hours and pushed oh. the news show back over an hour. Uh, except on the West Coast. <laughs> oh, Captain, my captain. In Akron, Ohio, Steve Stricker won the Bridgestone Seniors Player Championship on Sunday at Difficult Firestone for his second victory of the year and third major title on that tour. Eight strokes ahead in the third round and four in front entering the final round, he ended up winning by six over Wisconsin friend Jerry Kelly. Steve Stricker is the man on this tour. In fact, on both tours, you know, he has earned over uh, 1.5 million on the Champions Tour this year, and he's setting a very strong example for his Ryder Cup hopefuls. You know, there are those on the team earning their points, but there are those that want to be selected. There's six that need to be selected. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's a good thing for the PGA Tour Ryder Cup hopefuls that Stricker cannot get points for his Champions Tour season. He might just earn a spot on his own team. That's right. You know, the open doesn't seem so open. Eamon Lynch from Golf Week reports, well, it's almost time for the open championship at Royal St. George's. You know, the one that didn't happen last year, the right. one major we didn't have last year. Well, it's back this year at the same site. And the RNA is coming out with some restrictions for players and caddies and coaches. Um, they're a little more stringent than we are over here on the PGA Tour at this point. Uh, while players are exempt from Britain's mandatory quarantine, they will be required to provide a negative COVID test within 72 hours of entering the country and another on arrival to Royal St. George's unless they travel on a charter flight from the Scottish Open. Tests are required regardless of vaccination status. Players will not be allowed to visit restaurants, grocery stores or bars where they might mingle with the public. But the real source of angst, so we hear, is that. They must stay in either an official hotel or a private self-catering homes with a maximum of four occupants and all four of whom must be a part of the player's support group defined as caddies, coaches, medical support or translators. Players are also allowed one accredited family member. So unlike players and support teams, family members are not exempt from the quarantine, which is currently a minimum of five days. So if you want to go watch your son play in the British Open, you got to get there a week early. Exactly. Right. My God. You know, it's this is triggering a lot of response because we are aware that they're going to let fans into this event. Uh, Thirty two thousand of them a day, which is about 80 percent of a typical daily crowd at an open. So we're we are long on the list now of complaints from players and coaches and caddies. I mean, they can't even go to each other's houses and no. hang out. Four to a house and you stay there. And all the fans have to stay at a special house with four or less people. Yeah. The, the RNA certainly has their hands full with this one. You know, that being said, for those who are frustrated by all of the restrictions, I offer two alternatives. Uh, no open championship like last year or the PGA Tours Barbersall Championship in Kentucky. Yeah, baby steps, baby yes. steps, baby steps. I can see clearly now. 
A week after withdrawing from the U.S. Open with sand stuck in his eye, Victor Hovland got his first European tour win. The rising star took a quick flight from San Diego to Munich, Germany, and claimed the BMW International Open on Sunday. Hovland became the first Norwegian to win on the European tour and is up to number 14 in the official world golf ranking. It's a very interesting turn of events for the young man who isn't even 24 yet. And uh, this brings to me new meaning the famous Caddyshack line, he's a Cinderella boy, tears in his eyes, I guess, <laughs> as he lines up the last shot. <laughs> Ultimate Tears in his eyes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate Frisbee, I'll say. What? Well, when Paul Macbeth first started playing in professional disc golf tournaments, he crisscrossed California in his father's 1978 Dodge Ram Charger. Finally, in 2011, after winning $4,000 for taking first place at the Memorial Championship in Scottsdale, Arizona, he broke through. And in a decade since, Macbeth's disc golf career has soared. He's won the PDGA World Championship five times and the United States Disc Golf Championship twice. Macbeth has earned more than a half a million dollars from his performances. He is undoubtedly the most accomplished disc golfer in the world. Now, except for the subset of hardcore Frisbee fans, <laughs> his more impressive accomplishments have come away from the course. In February, disc golf manufacturer Discraft announced that they extended Macbeth's endorsement deal to a guaranteed $10 million oh, over 10 years. <laughs> Macbeth. <laughs> $10 million over 10 years for Frisbee golf? For Frisbee golf, baby. Wow, I'm in the wrong line hang of work, on, man. Hang on, that's just the start. Macbeth also has sponsors for other disc golf gear, such as grip equipment and bags, and owns part of a company called Foundation Disc Golf that produces both products and content. He has deals outside of disc golf equipment, too, with the likes of Adidas and Celsius Energy Drink. According to the 2019 data from the athlete marketing platform Opendoors, right, he is one of about 70 athletes in the world that makes a million dollars a year. It's pretty impressive. That really is earning power for Paul Macbeth that he's shown at this point in his career. So my only question to you is, do you want to go outside and play frisbee after the show today? Maybe. I mean, I didn't think I wanted to, but maybe I want to now. Okay, go back. Okay, go out. His name's Macbeth, though, so it's probably not going to end well. Probably. You know, good point. Touche on that one. Thank you. All right, one more. Dick Mast is taking it deep. Dick Mast became eligible for the PGA Tour champions in 2001 and has teed it up 186 times in his 20-year career on the senior circuit. He'll make start number 187 this week at the Dick's Sporting Goods Open after placing second in Tuesday's qualifier at the Lynx at Hiawatha Landing in Appalachian, New York. He broke his age by five shots, too. All right, so he's 70. He shot 65 in the qualifier to get in. Mast has never won on the PGA Tour champions in, or in 360 starts on the PGA Tour. He's a four-time Corn Ferry Tour winner with three of those victories coming during the 1990 season when the tour was called the Ben Hogan Tour. The Bluffton, Ohio native who shot 75-85 in his only champion start this year at last month's senior PGA also broke his age last week in his qualifier for the senior open where he carded a 69 to miss out on earning a ticket to Sunningdale. Even at 70, Wade, you know what? You just cannot keep Dick Mass down. 
And folks, that's your Pro Show update for the week ending July 2nd, 2021. Now quickly, before I get out of here, got to thank my sponsor, Summit Golf Brands, New Jersey Golf Foundation, of course, TaylorMade, and that weekly update. Happy 4th of July, everyone. It's the weekend. Be safe. Have fun. Wade Weezer, barbecue it up, my friend. And out there to my listeners, enjoy the fireworks. Now, before I go, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought about endurance. Most people stop when they get tired. Why not take one more step? After all, you'll never know how far you can go if you don't keep going. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the T next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.